Okay, so here we are. It's 1.55 on July 5th of 2013, and we were sitting here teaching Matthew chapter 6, I think it was verse 21. No, 6 verse 19. Okay, 6 verse 19, but I believe it might have been... 21 was where your treasure is, there's your heart. Uh, there's your heart, I saw someone. We were, it was 22. We said, your eye is the lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. And what happened as soon as Daddy said that? The lights flicked on. So we were sitting here under the gazebo at... And it happened literally at the exact second that Daddy said the word light. The lights came on. Right? And so we're talking about today... Okay, and so who can tell me what the lesson is? What does God want us to know about this? Who can kind of teach me now what I just taught you about the eyes? What's the main points that Jesus is trying to make in this passage? Okay, Ashley, what? Um, Hang on. You just do the best you can, and then we'll let somebody else have a turn. What's the, the message? Okay, all right, so who wants to, who wants to share it? Who wants to share? What, what's the main message that Daddy's been teaching you about here? Okay, what about the eyes? Hang on, Nathan, what about the eyes? Okay, Nathan, t- Tyler, go ahead. Okay, all right. Our eyes are a gate and our soul is the house. And so what happens? So what we let in through our eyes goes into our soul, all right? And so if we have a good, strong set of eyes and and we put things that are good before us, that's like putting what in our eyes? Eyes, happy thoughts. It's like a light, right? Okay. What happens when we watch a horror movie? Is that putting light or darkness before our eyes? Darkness. Okay. And then what happens to our body? Destroyed. It becomes full of darkness, right? So, so the the, the main lesson is not paying attention. Now, listen. The main lesson is we want to put what kind of things before our eyes? Things of light, good things, right? I think everyone should sit down. Today is uh, Friday, July 5th, 2013. This is an overall journal update. Um, the kids have been here now for about four weeks. In the last two weeks, um, it started to get more strenuous with my my mom. Um, I saw some of the old um, habits kick in where my mom's number one priority seems to be her house and her things. And The first thing she looks at when she walks in the house is... Not how are the kids doing, but what has been damaged, what could be damaged. She even admitted this to me. So after a couple of days of that and her kind of taking over on some things, I finally blew one night at 9 o'clock when I really just got tired of her constantly controlling and manipulating. Um, and so um, I felt bad. I went in immediately, got on my face, repented, and was able to open up to my mom a few days ago about that and really I feel my position is just to humble myself just to put up with the way she treats I'm in her house if it were in my house it would be a different story but I'm under her roof I really sense I need to come under her authority and if I don't like it it's no different than when my kids don't like what I say so I really am trying to humble myself in that it's, it, it again brings back those feelings of dislike. I do not like being around my mom when she's like that, and I end up just doing whatever I can to tolerate. And um, I did sense that I was being offended quite a bit, that the enemy was using her to keep me offended, which hinders my prayers, hinders my spiritual life, my thought life. So I've really tried to set the offenses down, and I'm just rolling with them, and I'm just kind of trying to relax and just kind of, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am okay, no problem, that kind of thing, and just be calm about it. And I'm really trying to guard my heart because I know how the, the Satan uses her behaviors to really try to uh, ruffle my feathers and get me, you know, out of whack. Um, I am struggling immensely financially right now with the job situation. Last week, um, obviously, I still haven't had any money since I've started, since I pulled the ministry back, and I... Um, I still owe about 4000 in IRS. I got a certified letter from them about two weeks ago. I haven't been able to send them the first penny other than what I sent through TurboTax. I now owe, coming up on the 15th this month, will be three child support payments. As soon as it hits the 15th, I'm three child support payments behind 
at $1,400 a peep pop. So I'm about $8,000 in debt and I have no sense of where that money's going to come from. And I started thinking last week, last Monday night, Bobby Junkin asked me if I may be interested in doing some video work and uh, just a couple hundred dollars here and there for a couple little projects. And I immediately got excited in my spirit and I thought to myself after a while, I thought, you know, why don't I just start back Sticky Story Productions again? I really need the money. I would really like to work. And I started having this desire again to start my business, to get going, to make some money. Um, because I'm drowning and although nothing's, the consequences haven't happened yet, they're, they've got to be getting close. I'm in dire need and I'm not getting any donations obviously and I haven't for a while since I set down the ministry and as soon as I mentioned to a friend of mine, pray for me about this, I looked down and it was 919. The very next day in a conversation about it with that same friend, her text came in to me as she said I was, she was praying for me about it at 9.19. So I still feel, unbelievably, I still feel like God is telling me, even while the cloud of darkness remains a long time, do not set out, but obey the Lord, just like the Israelites did. And so I'm getting to that point where I'm like, God, how can you continue to ask me not to work? I don't get this. I mean... It goes against what your word says about a man who doesn't work doesn't eat. I know that he's been doing something different in me. I know this probably has, I think what this probably has to do with is totally testing and building my faith and totally putting me in a place that is very difficult. I mean, if money was just flowing in, it's easy to have faith. If there are no consequences, it's easy to have faith. But when there are circumstances like late IRS payments, late child support payments, and you're starting to feel the pain. To have to trust the Lord in that is really difficult. So that happened. Then the next day, my mom brought up, how many child support payments are you behind? And I said, well, I kind of knew where she was going with this. And um, I said, oh, I, I don't know, two and a half, I think, by now. She goes, you know, you're, you're just going to have to get a job, Michael. I mean, that's all there is to it. I knew it. Here we had just been having this conversation, me and my friend Tanya, how I'm wanting to get a job, how I'm wanting to get started on some things, I start my business up again, and the Lord told me no almost immediately, as far as I can tell. Here my mom comes in, just like with the attorney. You're just going to have to hire an attorney. I mean, you're just going to have to get one. All of her fear and her worry, she throws on me, and she tries to change my circumstances to control me to make herself feel better. It's so clear as day. Not only that, but I could see that it's totally from the devil. Hers is coming from a place of fear. Um, and isn't it interesting that the Lord showed, sandwiched that with two 919s. So I'm at a place where I'm being pushed to a place of faith um, that I've definitely never been before. But having just seen what God did where I was three, three months behind on child support, like a couple, I wasn't three full months, I was a couple hundred dollars a payment behind each month for three months this earlier in the year and then all of a sudden God said your faith has healed you and he sends me a car and I, I, it pays up catches up me all my bills except for the IRS so I've seen I've seen how God can in a moment just turn it all around I don't know how he can do it and I do feel moments of doubt coming in and yet I know that God is increasing my faith I know wow if God when God delivers me from this how unbelievable will my faith be increased? This will be, you know, two major financial miracles that I've seen. So, I'm just waiting to see what God is going to do. Um, I'm going to continue to pray and ask Him about the job situation. But as of right now, it seems pretty clear to me. I mean, if I trusted Him on the numbers to walk into a courtroom, and I've trusted Him on, I know what 919 means. It means to stay put. You know, He's used it with my girl's situation, my, you know, with and with Shannon and not moving ahead in a relationship or contacting women and he's used it for my ministry situation and then my work situation so I'm going to just keep on trusting it's difficult I've been reading this book by Watchman Nee a guy at church gave me a book through another friend called Spiritual Authority and it's really just been really just been so eye opening and it goes right in line with what I've been doing with Pastor Rusty where I just submitted to his authority 
So I'm finding this amazing because the principle of the book is that you really can't have anything until you submit to God's authority. And that means submitting to those that are in authority over you by God as well. And that you can't do this as an individual. That that's a spirit of rebellion. So that really spoke to me. And I'm like, okay, that's exactly what I needed to hear. So the rest of it, I'm still struggling. I'm still waiting. And Laura, I've still seen 212 a whole lot. And interestingly enough, last night, 4th of July, pouring down rain. We're waiting for fireworks at 4th of July. At Space and Rocket Center, and I noticed this uh, attractive couple standing next to me. It was young kids, and the wife was attractive too. She, her name was of all things, and I was like, oh wow, they were a really nice couple. But I'm still waiting on that, and I know clearly God's doing other things. But I'm also been really frustrated. The other thing I want to make sure it captures: I've been really frustrated that I haven't had enough free time with the Lord, and I, I'm not such a good planner. So I'm still flying by the seat of my pants and I feel like I'm not planning as much good, godly things with my kids, teaching and training. I've been just kind of doing it off the cuff. And I keep seeing 701 a lot. God continuing to tell me, store up his commands. I really feel like he's telling me to finish the commands that I've started working on. And it just seems like everything stands in my way. This has been months now I've been trying to complete this. And it just seems like everything is standing in my way trying to get these commandments of Christ organized, printed out, and to where I can begin learning them and teaching them. But I'm going to make a real effort today to try to do that and not let, um, but you know, the pressure is building. My mom's wanting me to keep the kids gone because they've been here in the house and all that kind of stuff. So, but anyhow, um, so that's basically the overall update for right now. This is an add-on to the last overall journal entry where I said I have seen 701 a lot. I've been seeing it every day been feeling so guilty because I, I can't seem to finish getting the commands finished and stored up. It's just taken me so long. And um, I uh, the 701 is, my son, keep my words, store up my commands in your heart. That's Proverbs 701. And then as I was making the journal entry, I thought, hmm, you know, I thought about 811 and I thought, I bet I'll see 811. And I've seen it several times. I walked in the house to go get more coffee and check on the kids and there was 8.11 a couple minutes later I went back in saw 8.11 on a separate clock and I'm just like yes sir lord I, I will do so I have a sense that I may be in a situation where everything I'm waiting for the finances relief all of that is being held up because I am not being fully obedient to God for some reason this has been something easier to dismiss because I've been so busy um, and it doesn't have a deadline on it. But God is continually telling me, store up my commands, keep my words, and store up my commands in your heart. And I'm going to commit to finishing it. I've, I've got it almost done. And then I'm going to cherry pick, with God's help, some of the maybe top ten, put them on index cards, and I'm going to teach the children and get them to memorize them before they go home. If I could get that accomplished, I would feel so wonderful. If I could get the, the kids to memorize, like, Ten new scriptures or ten commandments of Christ. That would be so awesome. So uh, anyhow, God is telling me, finish the work. So it be interesting to see what happens when I actually finish it. That might come out. Okay, it's July 9th, 2013. It's 8.53 at night. We're sitting on the park bench, the first bench on Dad's favorite trail. We're sitting on the park bench. We've been out looking for deer. All of us are out here. It's pitch black. Dad, I'm thirsty. And the kids have been really brave. And so Tyler was just talking about how you were a little bit afraid, and I wanted to hear what you were thinking about. Hey, I want the tea. Save the tea for me. You guys have the water. Okay. So Tyler, talk to me about your your fear a little bit. Okay. What 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 is it that you're afraid of? The animal that might come out. I hope it's not Bigfoot. Bigfoot, isn't Bigfoot really. doesn't exist. How many times have I had to tell you that? I know, but people just think Bigfoot's real. Honey, yeah. people think aliens are real. They think the Loch Ness Monster is real. They think vampires are real. I mean, they think mermaids are real. They think all kinds of things are real. That's correct. Mermaids do not exist. Neither does Bigfoot. Neither do vampires. Neither does the Loch Ness Monster. Okay, so turn that off for just a second. Okay? So... Okay, hang on. Give, give him some water. Give her a little bit of water. I just wanted you guys to know, I want you guys to all be quiet for a second and listen to Dad. I really am proud of you. 
Tyler, even your fear is normal. Hang on, hang on, just hold on. Hold on, let's talk for a second. You don't have anything to be afraid. Is there anything that's happening to you? Nothing, right? The only, listen, there's nothing that can happen to you at nighttime out here that can't happen to you during the daytime. Anything that could happen to you at night could happen at day. The only difference is you could run into bugs or snakes or you could trip because you can't see. But because, but I want you to listen. I want you to pay attention to this, Nathan. Just because there's no light does not mean that anything is lurking in the dark. There's no monsters. There's no bad creatures that come out at nighttime. There are some animals that hunt at night. And why would you think, listen, why would you think animals would want to hunt at nighttime? They can't sleep. No, it's not that they can't sleep. They're hungry? They're trying to catch other animals off guard. And they have the darkness to help them. You can't see them coming. That's one of the reasons why deer sleep at night because other creatures that may want to hurt them can't see them. Now there are, the only animals out here really are called bobcats. And there are, would you be quiet? Listen girls, I'm trying to tell you something. There's bobcats and there's coyotes. Coyotes don't mess with people. They're very skittish. They're very skittish. What does skittish mean? Scared. Scared. So if they hear us, why do you think dad's telling you to be so quiet? We're not going to see any deer. They are so afraid of us that if they even remotely hear us, they will run. Or they smell you, they'll run away. So you don't have anything to be afraid of. What about bears? There's not any bears. There may be some black bears, and it would have to be a big bear. They're more afraid of us than, than we are. They are, okay? What do you mean? They really are. They're more afraid of us than what we should it? be af- of them. They want to stay away from us. We're just people. We are just people, You're honey. But we're a lot of us. Pieces. We're a lot of us, okay? Can you put that in the bag, Nathan? You don't have to be afraid, okay? Now, let me tell you something. If Dad was out here all by himself, honey, don't point that in his face. If Dad was out here all by himself, I might have, you know, a little hair standing up on the back of my neck, especially if I didn't have a light. Then even Dad would be like, oh, because, you know, you're afraid of the unknown and stuff like that. That kind of fear is normal. That's the kind of fear that keeps you alive. You, some fear is normal. You understand? It's, it, you want to be afraid. God intentionally wants you to be afraid of a rattlesnake. He wants you to be afraid of animals. What if you're not afraid of Huh? What if you're not afraid? Well, then you might not, you might walk up and get killed or you might get bit. Stuff like that. So a little bit of fear is good to have. But we're not far from the car. Dad has his cell phone. We have flashlights. You know, we have a stick. There's nothing really for us to be afraid of. There's nothing out here right now going, hmm, I see five little kids and a dad. Let me get them. And trust me, let me tell you something. Your dad would make so much noise and be so freaked out on that animal. That would take one stupid animal. I would I would die for you guys in a heartbeat. You follow me? And an animal would have to go through a whole... I mean, think about this, guys. We just watched a TV show where a 13-year-old girl or a 14-year-old girl fought off an 18-foot great white shark because she tried to grab on it and hold on to it and it ran away animals do not intentionally want to eat people they just try to protect themselves if you mess with them and there's no animals in in alabama we're not in alaska if we were in alaska this would be extremely stupid and extremely dangerous if we were in california where they have big bears or they have mountain lions that would be this would not be smart but in Alabama, there's no creatures like that. They have coyotes, maybe some black bears, which they've never seen. And that's about it. Deer. So what's the biggest black bear you could see? I don't know. I don't really know. Okay, but I'm just telling you, I think what you guys have done is brave. Okay, are you guys ready to go? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm ready to go. I'm proud of you guys. I'm proud of you guys. You hear me? What about the... Today is Saturday, July 20th, 2013. This is a quick update about being stretched further in my faith than I have ever thought I could possibly be stretched. I am now um, three payments behind on child support. I have not been able to make a child support payment in three months. Actually, two months because the most recent one just came due five days ago. So for two months, I've not been able to make a child support payment. I owe three payments. I currently owe about $4,000 to the IRS. I've received a collection letter from them that I have no ability to do anything about except for ignore at this point. I 
a couple of weeks ago, was approached about some video work, and within hours of being approached, I started having all these kind of fantastic thoughts about starting back up my business and kind of doing some work and justifying in my mind why, you know, there's no reason at all I can't have a business and start working on it. I couldn't even send the first text to my friend Tanya without seeing 919. The same exact thing happened yet the, the next day, asking her to pray about it. I saw 919. I saw it again the third day, feeling for sure that God is telling me again to stay put, don't move. This defies all logic. It defies common sense, and it even defies um, Scripture in the Bible that says if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. However... There are times when God asks you to do things specifically where a general principle in Scripture cannot be applied to a specific situation that God is asking somebody to do. Um, you know, the Bible talks about also make peace with your adversary, uh, uh, be reconciled to your adversary while they're on their way to your court, on their way to court. This is a commandment of Jesus Christ. And do everything you can to be reconciled to them and settle matters quickly with them. And that's not always possible. You can attempt it, but it's not always possible. And in my case, that certainly wasn't possible in my court situation. So I've been waiting and waiting and waiting. About a week ago, my mom comes to me, pulls me in the garage and says, I want to give you $1,500. And I said, I'm sorry, I can't do it. I can't take it. They tried to give me money to go to my court hearing back on May 20th. And I had told the Lord he needed to provide the money for me to do this, and my stepfather offered kind of at the last minute, I said, nope, I can't take it, I don't have peace about it, I'm not supposed to be on the Bob and Cindy Huntley bailout program anymore, God wants me to depend upon him, not on, I didn't say this to him, but <clears throat> not on somebody who is living out of faith, or living out of fear, not faith, my mom wants to give me money because she's living out of her own fears, she's wanting to control the situation for her own self, not for mine. And she makes it out to be that she's worried about the children and she understands uh, as a woman, I understand the, the kids are here, they're eating fine, they're having the best time of their life, they couldn't be taken care of better. So it's not about me, it's not about them, it's not about her, it's about her, it's, it's literally about her. She um, is trying to make herself feel better so she doesn't have to worry at night. So I have been seeing 848 um, about two times a day for the last three or four days and that is... Luke 8, 48, um, where Jesus says, Go in peace, daughter, your faith has healed you. This is the same scripture God showed me the week before I got the miracle automobile, and I had told in advance my parents, God's going to provide a financial miracle. He's going to deliver me. And then all of a sudden I got this completely um, wonderful phone call, just totally odd, out of the blue, about somebody that wanted to give me a car that had been wrecked that I was able to turn around and sell to my parents for $5,000 and pay all my child support. So now I'm being stretched even further than I thought because I'm defying, you know, what I'm legally obligated to do and I'm obeying the Lord before even obeying the law, potentially putting myself in harm's way. And the Bible says we're to obey the law. Well, um, it's not like I'm instinctively or it's not like I'm trying to disobey authority. I am simply trying to obey the Lord over what the potential consequences are and just to let the consequences of obeying the Lord be whatever they are because I'm obeying God first. It's very interesting, these situations. This is a very delicate situation that could be easily misinterpreted. If you didn't have all the facts and the details, it could sound like somebody wanting to just do what they want to do and trying to say that the Lord is the one telling them to do it. So um, anyhow, having said all of that, while I'm still waiting for finances, Yesterday I received another court document, and it is a, uh, a motion to amend the final judgment. They are now going back to the original magistrate with another attempt at completely taking and adding all of the stuff that they were dishonest about and added into the proposed final judgment. They're now trying to do this again. So basically unwinding the whole miracle, unwinding the whole testimony, unwinding the whole story. I got... Um, Anxious in my spirit for about two minutes, and then I immediately moved into prayer, gave it to the Father, called upon my prayer warriors to pray, and within an hour, I was feeling like nothing had even happened. I had total peace, no anxiety. I enjoyed a wonderful day with my children yesterday. Um, woke up this morning feeling good. Only now have I just thought about it this morning as I come out to do some prayer time. So 
everything again in my life is as dark as it possibly could be. I have no hopes for finances right now. I have no hopes of, in my ability to make it happen myself for sure. I'm totally dependent upon the Lord. Um, I have, uh, I'm waiting upon, you know, a relationship with a woman again. Obviously, that doesn't seem to even remotely fit the time season that I'm in, but nevertheless, it still remains an un, unmet desire that I have that I'm waiting upon the Lord and I'm not pursuing anybody. I'm being told to wait. I have no idea of where my finances will come from. I have huge financial need, and I'm expecting and believing that God will, in fact, deliver me supernaturally. I have had problems with my ankle that, by prayer, God has continued to sustain and, and help me with. All of a sudden, I started having pains in my ankle again that were difficult. They were different than when it was broken, but I've been praying, and God has delivered me from that. I am um, waiting for... Uh, it's still a place to live, my own vehicle. So I am, I am at the darkest potential moment I've ever been in circumstantially. My hope is in the idea that many times it gets the darkest right before the light. And I'm just continuing to believe. Uh, the coolest thing is that this has opened up a wonderful opportunity yesterday for me to deeply share with the children the difference between living according to your flesh and according to your spirit. And I explained to the children that I... Sometimes the way their mother treats me want to, to smack her and I want to return wrong for wrong and I want to show her how much she's hurt me and scream at her for why have you treated me this way? Why are you doing this? Why are you being evil? And then I have to remember that it is my responsibility to walk by the Spirit of Christ and to love her and to turn the other cheek. So I had the opportunity to explain to the children that I do not deny that I have those feelings but that I choose to walk by the Spirit rather than by the flesh. It got very emotional. They saw their father cry. They began to cry. It ended wonderfully. It ended with just a tremendous um, them seeing for real what it looks like to treat your enemies and love those that persecute you, pray for those that mistreat you. And um, while we're sitting in the car, I look over and see through a window of another car, the third car away, a truck, 1122 on the side, and that's Mark 11.22, one of my numbers. Have faith in God, Jesus said. And I just, right there, I knew God was reaching again in to encourage me and to let me know everything's going to be okay. We saw a 555 yesterday. The kids had seen a 777 the day before Tyler did. And uh, so right now, my circumstances say panic like you've never panicked. Um, if I walk by sight, I'm lost before I even take the first step. And there's no possible way out. But because I walk by faith, but because I've seen what God has done, and because I'm remembering what God has done in the past, and because I'm being sustained by His grace through the numbers and through the peace that Christ has given me, I will continue to stay this course as long as God permits me to. I will continue to believe and trust uh, for His miraculous deliverance. I am believing that God is going to provide a miracle, and it is going to it is absolutely going, going to encourage people to believe and trust God, which is one of the reasons why I exist, which is I, I believe the main reason for my story is to show what can happen when you totally begin to trust and have faith in God. It is absolutely not easy. It is the most difficult thing I've ever done. But being sustained by His grace, it is totally worth it. And getting to see God's hand deliver you time and time again. There is no greater experience on this earth. There is nothing you can buy with money that replaces being known, being seen, and being delivered by the God of the universe. Nothing compares to that. So, as my parents continue to be frustrated that I won't take their money, um, I'm continuing to just believe and wait and trust. And I believe God is going to deliver me. I don't know how. God has moved me from a place of wanting to know meaning of things and, and having reasons behind things. I think that's a lot of the reason I was drawn to story. God is starting to even purge me of my need for meaning and for story. God is, is killing off my need to understand things. Um, it's been pointed out that I sometimes want to figure out and start putting details together so that I can know what God is doing. And God is moving me into a place where I can abandon reason and abandon my need for meaning. Instead, rather, just trust. You know, when God asked the Israelites to walk around that building in Jericho seven days and seven times on the seventh day, 
I'm sure there were some in the crowd that wanted to know, and why are we doing this? What exactly is the reason? Why can't God just make it fall? But once you see that when God asks you to do something, you just do it. The need for reason and the need for meaning, I'm learning by a Watchman Nee book, is, is uh, the essence or the foundation of rebellion. It's... It's saying to God, if I feel good about the reasons why you're asking me to do this and I can make sense of it, then it is good for me to obey you. But if I can't make meaning and I can't make sense, it's not so good for me to obey you. And that is a spirit of rebellion, self-will versus God's will. So I can definitely see that as I've pushed deeper into this trial, deeper into the darkness, deeper into a place where everybody again thinks I'm an idiot, nobody could understand why a guy, God would ask you not to take a job, why God would ask you not to take money from your parents. People could say, oh, but this is the guy who's sitting on the rooftop saying, save me from the flood, oh guy, and the God and the canoe comes, and the what you call him comes, and the car comes, and yet God is telling me to do that exact thing to continue to wait and to continue to trust God and not take and to be dependent upon man. And so I am uh, I am sitting there watching that happen. And in Jesus' name I'll be sustained. In Jesus' name I'll be sustained. Amen. Chelsea and I are sitting here talking about the Bible and I was describing to her the differences between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And something just occurred to me that a good explanation is is that in the Old Testament, God gave us a series of rules and decrees and precepts to follow. And our ability to live a, quote, blessed life or a prosperous life was conditional based upon us following all those rules and being obedient to Him. And many times, God's covenant was that if you would obey me and keep all of my words, that I will bless you and give you prosperity. So there was this external blessing. God still remained separate from the person because the Holy Spirit hadn't yet come and God still dwelled in a building built by human hands in the temple where only a certain person after they went through many rituals could enter in and experience the closeness of God and in the New Testament God no longer promises material blessing if we obey God promises the greater blessing the better a better blessing than having things or fields that produce abundant crops or homes is that God himself he gives us himself he comes to live with us and make his home with us and so once you experience God's presence his direction his guidance his friendship you begin to see that the greatest gift you could ever have in this world is God's presence so the the new covenant is the promise of a much better gift than just material blessings which comes out of the old covenant and that is the blessing of God himself what greater gift could we ask for than God himself to come be with us? So today is July 23rd. It's Tuesday morning. I'm out of my walk. I'm having some anxiety because still nothing has broken free. And I am, uh, it's coming down to more and more to the wire. And I don't even have money to buy Chelsea's dinner for her birthday coming up in five days, six days. So... Um, I woke up feeling a little anxiety and I knew I needed to take a walk this morning. I'm walking. I get two doors down. I look to the open garage and I see my neighbor's motorcycle sitting in there and I just was kind of casually looking at it and I noticed the license plate, 919. And I'm like, wow, already Lord this morning, which is Numbers 919, while the cloud remained over the tabernacle a long time, the Israelites obeyed God and did not set out. Then... I keep walking, I take about another 20 steps, and the garbage can on his neighbor has a 5.11 on it, James 5.11. We consider blessed those who persevere, for you've heard of Job's perseverance and what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is gracious and full of mercy and compassion. So it's almost like God is telling me, in that 20 second spot, don't panic, don't move, stay still. Persevere and remember. And see, God knows that this is what I believe when I see these things. So it's God's responsibility to make sure that I get the correct message. It's my responsibility to obey it. So before I've even had a chance to pray this morning, God is telling me to stay the course, sit still. Blessed are those that persevere. 
man, I have no idea what God's going to do or how he's going to do it. And right there is, is 14.14. Ask God anything you desire and it shall be given to you. I can't remember what scripture it is because it's a fairly new one. So I'm going to ask him, but um, he's telling me to keep believing. So I'm going to keep believing. I cannot wait to see what God is going to do with all this. Because man, this I have allowed myself to be in a very, very difficult, ugly, dangerous situation financially if I have misheard God. And I am, I am not um, willing to be disobedient to Him. And so I am fully obeying what I believe God is fully telling me. So it's hurtful, man. It's hurtful. I feel like Abraham in that movie where he says, How many times, Lord, do I have to prove my faith in you? How many times? Haven't I already done enough to prove my faith in you, he says. And uh, I feel like that sometimes. feel like sometimes like, God, how much longer do we have to keep doing this? And yet, the second those words even come into my mouth, it's almost like the Holy Spirit says, this is, this is what it's all about. This is what the, faith, the walk of faith is about for those that sign up and that are chosen. This is what it's all about. It's not easy, but it's worth it. I'm with you. And I push you to the edge of believing to see if I'm even to see if you believe I'm with you. With when things are comfortable, it's easy for you to say, I'm with you. When things are extraordinarily difficult and I seem to be far away, and I ask you to raise the knife, tear your son up and sacrifice him, then will you believe I'm still with you up to the last minute? So I'm waiting for God. He always does things at the last minute. And I'm just waiting and waiting and waiting. So, praise be to the Lord. He's teaching me more and more perseverance. On top of all of this, my relationship with my mom is just strained. And it's not anything personal at all. There's been no real personal interactions. It's just that my mom's just starting to... She's getting grouchy and tired from having the kids this long. She's hit her wall. So... It's just difficult, and she just kind of treats people nasty. She treats people out of her energy, you know, which she doesn't have a whole lot right now. And so um, I'm having to just try not to be offended by that and just keep on keeping on. And it's difficult for me to be kind in this house. The other thing I've been struggling with is the idea of how do I be kind and love her when she continues to act out of fear rather than faith, and she calls herself a Christian. It's very difficult. It's different if she was a non-believer, but she's calling herself a Christian. And it's like, I don't feel a place anymore to be able to call her out and say, Mom, do Christians act like this? Do Christians say things like this? Because she's my mom, and I'm in her house, and I feel like the Lord is telling me to just submit, you know, and and, uh, be humble. And at the same time, I feel like I can't even be kind, like I can't smile, because if I do, that opens up my mom to want to talk to me more and ask me questions, and as soon as I start telling my mom things, she turns around and uses it against me, so it's almost like I'm darned if I do, I'm darned if I don't, and I've been really asking the Lord for help, like, I want to be a kinder, more gentle, loving, serving person in that house. And right now what I do is I kind of just do my best to kind of avoid her. I kind of like try to keep the kids gone, try to turn, you know, my face and not look at her and I can't be myself. And then when I leave the house, I'm happy, I'm kind, you know, to my kids and all that. But when in my mom's house, it's like I put a wall up and I'm aware of, you know, what's going on. But, and, and my motivation for the wall is to keep my mom from being able, from putting myself in a situation where I'm casting my, my pearls before swine and giving dogs what is sacred because no matter what I tell my mom still, she debates it, she, she argues against it, she uh, uh, discounts it, and she has fear, not faith. So she, it's almost like she takes an interest in what I'm saying just to be able to shoot it down. So I've learned, not even say it, but that puts me in such a weird predicament because it's my mother. I, is that honoring? I mean, this is a really... Weird situation. I'm trying to ask the Lord more and more. Give me your wisdom in this. Teach me what 
you would do in this situation, Lord. Because, you know, we're talking two years. It's easy to let somebody mistreat you in passing. You know, especially if it's not even somebody you know. Somebody to just turn the other cheek. But when it's your own mother, and you're supposed to be honoring her, and yet she lives like a worse than a heathen because a heathen doesn't know any better. A sinner does not know any better. They are a slave to sin. But a person who calls themselves a Christian and has seen as much as my mom has seen, and yet still lives out of the fear and the control and the manipulation and the, the attitude that she has, it's very, very difficult for me to find out. Because if she were a Christian and I was just her, her brother, I would rebuke her. I would rebuke her just as Paul did, in love, and say, listen, Christians don't live like this. We don't live in fear and try to control and manipulate other people. We live in faith. We don't get all caught up and bent out of shape and try to control circumstances. We pray, we ask the Lord, and when we walk into a room and somebody, you know, opened up the vitamins that weren't supposed to be open because there was an open one, we don't immediately blame the sun and say in front of everybody, well, that's just what Michael does. Michael does that. I've told him about that before. And just be so devilish. It's just, it's just constantly um, making herself available to the, to the use of the devil, to accuse. And uh, so it's very difficult to discern. I know what's right to do. And I'm caught in a place where, Lord... What do I do? It's almost like I just need to be kind to her, but not engage with her in a conversation. I don't know how to do that yet. Because engaging in her with a conversation is violating the scripture when Jesus said, Do not cast your pearl before swine, for if you do, they will turn and trample you. And this is what my mom does every single time. So I'm like, God, how do you humble yourself and be kind, and yet... Not cast your pearl before swine. I haven't figured this out yet. But I guess the answer is is in what the, what topics we discuss. But then, when my mom asked me a question, and I have to say, we're not talking about that. <laughs> I got it, mom. We don't have to worry about that. So, man, weird stuff. I was just finishing up a walk, and I was really kind of. I just heard a scripture by Greg Laurie. He was talking about the two scriptures that. If a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. And a man that doesn't provide for his family's needs is worse than that of a non-believer. And those are the two scriptures that are used for the argument against um, my situation where God is asking me to sit still. And, in fact, I think my ex-wife has even shared this with the children. And I'm aware of those two scriptures. And I've even asked the Father many times, God, why are you asking me to essentially contradict your word? And to violate your word, disobey it. And the first time I went and sat about a year ago and asked the father that when he was telling me I couldn't start a business again was because I felt in my spirit he'd showed me that work had been an idol to me. And that it literally was uh, my artificial God. And I never have worked a day in my life really that because I had to. I've always worked because I want to. It's enticement for more, more power, more strength, the illusion thereof more security, more things, more material wealth, position, status, all that stuff. All the things that are anti-God anyhow. So that really helped me understand why God was telling me to sit down the work. But now as it's continued on, that question has still come up a couple of times. And I'm like, God, I have to provide for my children. You know? And so this morning I was just thinking about this after I heard Greg Laurie mention those two scriptures. And I'm like, see, God, there's those two scriptures again. You know, why am I being asked to contradict your word? And right then and there, I got this image of Abraham putting Isaac up on the altar, getting ready to kill him. God had asked Abraham to do something that was against his word. The Ten Commandments had not been put on display yet, but Cain had already killed Abel, and it was already well known that murder was against God, and that that was an evil thing to do. It would be violating one of God's righteous commandments. And yet, God comes to Abraham and says, I want you to kill, to do the very thing I tell you not to do. And so, just as I was praying this morning, that's what I'm realizing. It's 
it's it's like the ultimate test to see if you will obey the direct authority of God versus the written authority, or kind of the general rule of God versus a specific word from God. And so, um, I don't know. I take comfort in that that God is asking me to violate His His word in that way, um, because He knows that. You know, he knows the, the whole workings of this. He knows what's been in my heart and what he has to deal with. And it really is, will I trust him? And it happens to be with my children. You know, I'm having to provide. Killing your son is not providing for him. I mean, not paying child support is not providing for my children. And yet, everything in me wants to do that. But I know that God teaches I have to love him and not put anybody before him, including my children. It's interesting. You know, this is where... So many people could get stumbles. So, so many people could get tripped up. You know, you people worship taking care of family, and family is so important. If you try to even remotely say that you have to put God before family, most people would say, oh, no, you can't do that. Family is most important. And yet, what does Jesus Christ teach? Any man that loves his father or mother or brother or sister or more than me is not worthy of me. So... It's, it's, it really what I'm seeing is the Word of God is coming to me in real life, in real ways, by experience. I'm getting to experience, as God's walking with me on this journey, what the Word looks like lived out. The real Word, the difficult stuff. And there goes a 212. Praise the Lord. Oh, man, I was just praying about And I had just thought, man, I haven't seen a 212 in a while. And I had been praying about her about 30 minutes ago in my walk. And here I am just finishing up this. And there goes the 616. The next truck that drove by had a 616 on it, which is, and finally take up the shield of faith with which to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil. And this is the number one number I've seen in this season. Because God is asking me to stand in faith and the devil is asking me to stand in fear and to panic. He keeps shooting all these arrows. You're in trouble. You're not going to be able to provide for your family. You're going to go to court. You're a fool. Everybody thinks you're an idiot. You don't even have your own car still. You don't have your own house. You're still living with your parents. What kind of a loser are you? You're never going to find a wife. Who would ever want to have you? My God, how would you, How do you ever think a woman as well put together as her would ever have anything to do with a loser like you? I hear all of these things and God continues throughout this difficult season. To show me 616, it encourages me. I just asked this morning, God, give me your your grace, sustain me. And he just showed me a 212, Psalm 21-2. He has given you the desires of your heart. He has not withheld the request of your lips. And then 616, as I'm standing here talking about faith and how difficult it is to have total trust and faith in God, he's telling me, resist the evil one through faith. So... This is going to be really amazing to see how this all comes out. When God is done with this, there's going to be a day where things turn around and I'll be able to say, I know God's word through experience. I've tasted it. I've touched it. I've walked in it. I've swam in it. And God's word is becoming so much more real to me. This process is absolutely excruciating at times. I mean, there are times when I just want to just cry. There are times when I do cry. There are times when I just want to throw my hands up and say, forget it. I haven't had very many of those times, I'll admit. Because God has sustained me by His grace. But it does get trying. Now, however, I have noticed that it does get easier. The more time goes on, the stronger I'm getting. I don't react to things like I used to anymore. I mean, all kinds of amazing things happen uh, have happened, and I, I'm being transformed, so I just praise the Lord for the transformation, and also the final thought I want to capture is the transformation, seeing in my heart how much I've changed is proof that God is with me, that He's working in me, even beyond seeing and following the numbers. Although, seeing and following the numbers, which all point to scriptures, is what's gotten me to this place where I'm being transformed. Because as I'm obeying God's Word, He's revealing Himself, His truth, His ways, His blessings, His deliverance, and I'm seeing that it's all true. So the transformation itself is absolute amazing evidence of God's work.
brothers and sisters, I want to pause the recording here and add some more commentary. I am so fascinated to hear these recordings and relive this intense desire that I had for a wife that, as you are now well aware of, was incredibly out of balance. Um, Oddly enough, I'm able to look back on this and see that even though it's severely out of balance, I want you to know it's also a good thing. This strong desire that I have, God is using it in so many different ways. And I just said something in this last part of this recording where I realize how much I am changing in this part of the journey. I'm becoming more and more conscious of how much I am changing in the face of the fact that my circumstances are not. And in the face of these incredibly strong desires that I have that are not being met and needs that are not being met. God is working to change me. It's incredible. I can't possibly articulate how wonderful this is that I see in this story. God is allowing some very heavy, heavy circumstances to all come together in my life, not so that I can even believe him for these circumstances to change. That is not God's main motive, is just to see us bring him this thing called faith that is apart from him and get all worked up and excited about a certain result. But God's desire is that we will change even when our circumstances do not. And it is incredible for me to listen back to these recordings and just be so humiliated with how out of balance my desire is. God could see it clearly. How much more clearly can he see it uh, than even I can now? But also to see that God was not despising this desire. He was using it. You can see God continues to feed this desire and this hope, saying to me, I have granted you the desire of your heart. Now, let me just tell you probably the most amazing revelation that I can look back on. All of that strong desire I had for this one particular woman and God showing me this 212 number everywhere. You, you've heard it yourself now. I mean, this isn't something I could possibly make up. This is happening everywhere. That's Psalm 21.2. He has granted you the desire of your heart. He has not withheld the request of your lips. But you know the rest of the story. It's not going to be this woman. And I tell you, I am so amazed that I was not able in that moment to realize that what I truly desire is very different than what I think I'm desiring at that time. And God knows my desires and he knows your desires even better than you do. And when I look what India meant to me and the kind of impact that it continues to have on me to this day, and when I look at my Indian wife, And the amazing joy that I felt receiving her as my wife, so completely different than what I had this image or picture of what my wife would be. I can see God truly was giving me the desires of my heart, but he knows in advance that the desires of my heart are going to change as I grow in Christ. It's a remarkable thing to know God is busy working all these details together in my life, allowing difficult circumstances for me to have to humble myself before my mom, endure being a fool for the area of finances, being somewhat of a hopeless romantic, you know, skating on this promise and clinging with my fingernails to the faith that God is going to one day bless me with a good wife, the desire of my heart. And yet I look and I see how Persis would have never been the desire of my heart at that time. The idea of going to India would have been a million miles. I think I would have desired as much to go to the moon. And when I tell you, my brother and sister in Christ, when I look back on that experience I had of living in India, I find myself 
still today just so fascinated by Indians. I love Indians. I mean, like, it's like reverse prejudice. You know, prejudice is when you look down upon and judge another race of people or something. And we usually use the word prejudice regarding races. But it's almost like I have a reverse prejudice against the Indian people. I just love them. When we're out somewhere and I see them, I'm just fascinated. I wish they were uh, more talkative because I would love to to talk to them and get to know them. But, you know, most of them kind of stick to themselves a little bit. Um, but I just, I'm fascinated by them. I always get so excited. I say, look, honey, an Indian, you know, and I always point them out everywhere we go. India to this day is still the most incredible experience I have ever had on this earth in my life. It still grips me. I'm still somewhat amazed that God didn't call me as a missionary to India because I love the Indians so much. I'm so fascinated with them, even in all of their pagan traditions and religion and revelry and all of that stuff that they do. I still see through that, that these are uh, many times a very devout people. They're very desiring of spiritual. They're absent of what we know to be the truth of Jesus Christ. But some of them are, they're just people, they're human beings. And some of them are fascinating human beings. And I am just enamored I can't uh, explain it in any other way. My favorite movies are Indian type movies. Uh, the movie Lion. It's my favorite all time movie. It's got Indians in it. I love it. And so when I look back on what God knew when he was telling me all those times, I have granted you the desire of your heart. I have not withheld the request of your lips. It's amazing to me. It is remarkable. God had this treasure of a life experience for me. He was going to give me this Indian wife and allow me to go and experience a completely different world. Not just a different culture. India is like going to another planet. And it is truly, I can't explain it, brothers and sisters. I cannot explain it. In, in, in many ways, India is one of the hardest places in the world to live. Again, there was a worldwide traveler who had been to every country and he said no place even comes close to India. He said not even Africa. And of course, that's easy to understand. Africa is like the size of the United States. It only has 200 million people. Take a quarter of that space, put 1.3 billion people in it, and there you have India. And it's one of the oldest cultures in the world. And the place is just remarkable. And if I have my way, I would want to go live in India half of the year. You know, maybe God will bless me one of these days for Persis and I to be able to go live the winters in India. I would be so blessed to do that. It, it, you can't understand, like, India is always on my mind. I'm always wanting to listen to an Indian music or I'm wanting to see an Indian movie or get excited when I see them. And, you know, I love calling my wife my Indian wife. I just, I'm amazed. And look at this. This is the desire of my heart. God knew something in me that I would desire. You would never have ever imagined being able to tell me, uh, Michael, we're going to give you uh, a wife who was born on a dirt floor. You're going to get to go see the poorest of the poor of the poor. The poorest country in the world is India. More poor people live in India than anybody. And um, isn't that right, Thomas? Isn't that right? Here's my little country cat. You guys have heard me talking about him. Yeah, you want to say hi to all the people on Relentless Heart? Yeah, you want to purr? Say hi? Yeah, no? You don't want to say hi to him? Oh, uh, just a little bit? Yeah? <laughs> this is Mr. Thomas, and he follows me when I'm out here doing my prayer walks. And he comes out with, with Persis and he'll he'll jump out and kind of pounce on her when she's coming by for her evening time walking around our property. And he gets hungry and he'll come out. And I'll be in the middle of prayer, just deep prayer. And he'll come out and here he comes. And he does the funniest thing. He'll get in front of, uh, front of us. He'll, he'll walk ahead of us and then cut us off. <laughs> he cuts us off. He go, goes right in front of us. He's like, give me some love. Give me some petting. And um, he's our little tiger. He's like a little tiger. He kills some birds and mice around here. I'm sure he keeps the mice away. And he's just a 
He's adorable. He's got a great little personality about him. He's very quiet-natured, gentle, and he's he comes every morning and every evening to hang out at our place. He's our neighbor's cat, and um, he's just he's adorable. I never, ever thought I would like cats. Now, look at you laying down here like this. You got all that pretty fur. You should see how crazy this cat is. Just lays down right here in the dirt. Listen to this purring. That's amazing. Okay, I gotta keep keep, keep moving. I gotta keep making this message, buddy. <laughs> so, God knows the desires of your heart better than you do. I want you to know how remarkable this is. Yet another evidence of the Almighty, Omniscient, All Powerful, All Knowing, All Wise God that we serve. Look, I could not. I'm living my life. I think I know what I want. And God was able to look down at me and say, no, that's not what you want, son. I have something even better for you. I am telling you, I am absolutely 1,000% aware of and convinced that if God would have given me that woman, I would never have known the continued growth, depth of character that I am having by being married to my wife, Persis, and I would have missed out on another great love of my life, the fascination I have with India and being able to live in India. How many people can say they've ever had that kind of experience and yet God gave it to me. He took me the little city boy and sent me to live for seven months in India in a totally different world. And um, it just, it won't let go of me. So I just want you to see how amazing God is. And again, I was wrong. You can look at this situation and say, well, Michael, you thought for sure this woman, and you can hear me believing it. And see, God wanted me to believe that because my desire was so strong and so out of balance. He needed me to have something to hold on to. And watch this. It's never been about the woman for God. It's been about, will you obey me? And will you trust me for the long haul? Will you endure patiently? You see, God gave me a picture, okay? And says, will you believe me for that? Will you believe me for that? And will you wait for this thing that I have for you? Will you be patient? I see it as God's providential grace and strength to my weakness, knowing how strong the desire was in this area. Again, sisters, brothers, I was way out of balance in this. It's sickening to me to go back and listen to how strong my desire was to have a companion, a a, a wife. It it, it was just out of character uh, for a true follower of Jesus Christ to want anything on earth that bad. And yet that was the stage I was in. And God didn't condemn me. He said, I'm gonna give this to you. But man, when I look at the wisdom of God, and who he gave me. And then when he gave me Persis, he allowed there to be disappointments for both of us in certain things. And of course, you guys know the the spiritual story and how God has had to work hard to keep me from holding on so tight to to Persis. He gave me an extra adorable wife and and then he had to allow some circumstances in place to, to keep me. Hold that loosely, Michael. Hold everything God puts in your hand loosely, never desiring anything or anyone more than him. Brothers and sisters, our God is real. There is no God but the God of the Holy Bible. There is no Lord but the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, And God's word is true and, and everything he does that is not written in that word. Every wise thing he's doing to act in your life is true. You just continue to trust in him and, and hope in him. If, if I could do it all over again and I can't, I would have released my desire uh, to God sooner for these things. And, and I would have asked, oh God, satiate me with your spirit, God, that you are the only thing in person I desire in this world. I would have asked God to, to grant that to me sooner rather than later. But God is patient and I see how much he used all of this suffering leading me into the desert places. Uh, Romantically, financially, relationally, uh, familially with my family, my children. And I see how God was leading me into these difficult places, humbling me. You see how he's humbling me in my finances. It's going to get worse in these recordings. You'll hear 
It's going to get worse and worse and God's going to stretch and stretch and stretch. He's going to totally break me in this area that I've lived so self-sufficient in the area of finances. Again, God may not need to do this to you. He may not have the same calling in your life. You may not be called into full-time Christian work and you may not be nearly as untrained um, uh, or lack of character as I do. I I meet quite a few people that have more character and have been trained better than, than I have been. And so, you know, don't compare the situation uh, too much. Just know that Father knows exactly what you and I need. He knows exactly what you and I need. And I just pray that the Lord Jesus Christ will continue to bless you and minister to you as you listen to these recordings. And so now I'm going to have to spend some more time with Mr. Thomas. Apparently he hasn't gotten enough yet. So say bye to everybody, Thomas. Say bye-bye. Bye-bye. You want to say bye-bye? All righty. Bye.